is James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? We violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. No! Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks, Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 32, the original series edition. That means Kirk style. And I am here, and my name is Chris Honeywell, by the way, since I'm introducing everybody. And I'm here with Scott Gardner, who's always here with me. Hello! And we've got our special guest... The guy who seems to show up whenever we do a Star Trek episode that bleeds into the 20th century, Mr. Chris Gallo. Hello! <laughs> and last time, last time you were on this show it was when we did the, had the, I, what was the name? What was it? Return to Yesterday or I All Our Yesterday? Something with Yesterday or Tomorrow. Tomorrow is yesterday. Yeah. yesterday. Yesterday was the day. The one the with day. Captain Christopher, yeah. Yeah. The one with all the awesome shots of the Enterprise from below, you know, with fighter pilots going after it. Yesterday will be in the middle of next week, whatever that is. Whatever. God almighty, was that really the last? Holy cow. I'm sorry, dude. That was a long-ass time ago. Well, I believe believe the last time we actually heard it from you was that you were on the Skype. Yeah, Summit meeting, were you? unfortunately, oh, I that? got a call in the middle of it, so I had to kind of like kind of disappear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, hey, that's okay. Like I says, I just I love listening to the episodes more than anything else. So you know, oh, thank you. Hey, no, they're fun. Like I says, <laughs> and I'm one of those guys that yells back in my iPod saying, "You guys don't know that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, at work. <laughs> or on jury duty. Somebody somebody was using us through jury duty recently. I, I was reading on the forum. I like that. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I hope they were hearing your voice. They probably heard your voice and they were just like, guilty! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd hate to be the guy being on, tr- on trial. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The guy on trial said something like, you, you know, he said, he said, you know, uh, Trekkies instead of Trekkers and He's just like, yo, you burn. (laughs) Hang that son of a bitch right now. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, one of those guys who says, oh, you know what? Picard's way better than Kirk. Uh, fry the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care if it's traffic tickets, whatever, man. <laughs> don't drop the soap, dude. Don't drop the soap. <laughs> uh, you know, Chris. Picard of your own. What? Uh, Chris Gallo, you, you bring up uh, uh, something I'd been thinking about a while ago was... Uh, you know, I, I know that we had talked about this before, you know, that we try not to just sit here and, and basically sound like we're we're reading off of Wikipedia or something like that. But when it comes to these episodes, do you think we need to be throwing in more of the, the little trivia bits and stuff like that rather than just kind of going, you know, off the cuff, like, the, you know, the way that we pretty much do? Because sometimes I, I'll look back at some of these episodes that we've already reviewed and go, wow, you know, that was a cool piece of trivia. You know, I wish we'd thrown that out there or something like this. So do you think we we need to be doing more of that kind of stuff? I don't, I don't know. I, I think it just it flows naturally. I don't like, I don't want to hear nothing but trivia, you know, like, right. you know, if I really wanted to know, you know, the writer, what he had for lunch before he wrote, you know, City on the Edge of Forever, you know, I'd go look it up, you know. It's in Wikipedia. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. all that stuff is on Wikipedia. And, you know, if you ever have, uh, you know, I mean, it's good for if, you, if you're having a pissing match with other nerds and like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, in episode 1215, you know, they, they, it was really hot that day. So you can see that all, you know, the doors are kind of wobbling because the plastic was melting or whatever, you know. And right. people could go, ooh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah but I always, I just like, I like talking about what they did to me as a child to make me the way I am today. <laughs> <laughs> now, that don't just blame Star wrong. Trek on that. <laughs> 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 no, but like I said, if it comes out naturally, it you know, that's one thing. But, you know, there, there are enough guys out there who will, you know, you know spout you know, statistics and, you know, like, oh, if you notice this, you see that guy there? That's actually, you know, William Shatner's stunt double, you know? I, yeah. It, yeah. I, I see nothing wrong with that, but my brain doesn't work that way. It retains, yeah. my, my brain retains stuff almost randomly. Yeah. So if I got something in there, I'll spit it out. But otherwise, you know, I'd have to look it up and that would mean work. <laughs> which is what I try to avoid. Which you have time. a real aversion to, yes. Exactly, and I'd rather just, I'd rather just, you know, sort of, you know, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Add a little sound effect and some two true freaks magic pixie dust, you know. But yeah, it's more interesting like that when you, you know, when it comes, oh, like you, you think about it, and you just, oh yeah, hey, did you ever notice this? That kind of stuff. That to me is more interesting than, than you know, like being, you know, the Mister. Star Trek Encyclopedia. If, you know, if I like you said, if I want to get in a pissing match with another Star Trek fan, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have a run for their money. I can spout off useless information with the best of them, but um, you know, the way you guys do it, it's more fun. You know, it's like sitting around with your, you know, with buddies, bullshitting. You know, just like hey, you know, <laughs> talking about episodes. You know, like man, you believe that and this and that, and you know, and things kind of flow from one to another, and it's more natural and it's a lot more enjoyable, and at least to me, you know. This is the second time today that that I've uh, heard someone say that about the show. That it sounds like you know your buddies coming over and just bullshitting about this w- what we're basically doing. I think. Yeah, and I, <laughs> no, no, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love that because that's exactly the feel that I want. Because all the shows that that I like to listen to best 
feel like that. It feels like, oh, it's time to spend some time with my friends, you know? My buddy, my buddy, my buddy. Rather than you're getting a history lesson or you're being talked at rather than, you know, being included in, in a conversation, you know? So, thank you. I appreciate it. No. <laughs> I wouldn't be listening if I wasn't enjoying it. Let's put it that way. You know, and I've been, I've been since well, Cloudminders, I think, was the first one I caught of your stuff. <laughs> that's a great oh, one to start. That's a wonderful episode, too. That was so, yeah, that, that one. Back, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't mind the, it, like, the, 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 the podcasts that are pure informational educational are great for me for the stuff that I don't really know that's that's what I I look at those podcasts or you're trying to go and get the information about them this one's more like yeah you got the information you just want to hear what somebody else thinks about it you know right and and get wound up when you disagree with them and you know <laughs> rise to your feet and shake your fist when when you you clap your hands when you do agree or whatever that's yeah. You could almost picture us sitting around a, a coffee table with beers in our hands, you know, with, what, with the episode on the television, you know, like, look at that, look at that. You believe that? Kirk didn't get that woman? You know, it's Spock got her? You know, that kind yeah, of Yeah, and then a half hour later, three beers and Scott's got his shirt off. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you got to watch out with that. The with problem with the world today, goddammit. Yeah. Yeah, and then like they ask him to politely leave the the coffee house. Pretty sick, <laughs> sir. Please put your pants on and leave, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Sir, take your pants with you. We don't want, sir. Sir, oh, they're all wet. <laughs> they're all, <laughs> but they smell like Disney World. I don't know. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> all right, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to get into this episode. Oh, I you don't know how excited I am about. You know you know I've talked about this one before because this is the first episode that I ever like as a kid, my father gave me a tape recorder to play with and you know some tapes and I and this was the first Star Trek episode I taped, you know, and and then went back and listened to and watching it again was crazy deja vu because I memorized it, you know, and hearing it all. Uh, and it's been, you know, t- probably 20 years since I've seen this episode. And, you know, every line of dialogue was burned into my head at some point and was just getting, you know, those neurons were getting re-sparked up with it. So I was, I enjoyed every little, I could have just closed my eyes and listened to this whole episode and I would have <laughs> been in heaven. <laughs> Ship's log. Mr. Spock reporting. Dr. McCoy and I are prisoners of the chief criminal boss of a society patterned after old earth gangsters. Put your hands over your head. Or you ain't gonna have no head to put your hands over. You wanna live, don't you, Kurt? You bet you do. But after I get through with you... I don't have those tools by then. I'm going to call up your ship and have them pick you up in a box. I like this. I'm going to get one myself. Daddy! Daddy! Wait a moment. What have they done? What have they done to you? What have you done? Okay, Pally, we're going for a ride. Got 
questions that people can quote all day long. Oh yes, yes. yeah, it does. It, it's it's actually got a whole bunch of them, and I noticed that. Uh, it seems like all the best classic musical cues that you think of when you when you want to quote a Star Trek musical cue. It seems like this one has them all. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's great. This, uh, that's that, that that was one of my actually. Before we start getting into this, do you want to do your? Did you have a little? Uh, yeah, I'm just sen- yeah, I'm just gonna read it straight out of the uh, yeah. Star Trek. Uh, which one is this compendium? I can't ever remember which one's the compendium and which one's the companion. Oh, you 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 had you had told me before. The I companion. Could, yeah, the companion is the, the one that envelops you with love, <laughs> and it's the touchy feely <laughs> next generationy <laughs> one is the companion. That's right. Yeah, I like the compendium myself. <laughs> Let's see. I wanted an airing date for this one. Oh, here it is. Wow. First broadcast January 12th, 1968. So again, predates uh, predates the two of us. How about you, Chris? It predates you too, doesn't it? No, 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 no. no. I was oh. a three-year-old. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Yay! Oh, We're not so awesome. Old. I'm, I'm the old, old, I'm the old man, yeah. yeah. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know how good it feels. <laughs> <laughs> you young whippersnappers! Oh, this is a milestone. Oh, I love this. Well, it actually, we yeah, want you I, for I every it. single episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to get my Jared hole refilled. <laughs> well, we're so used to say to people, "Well, you know, growing up around the same time, I, you, you know, growing up when we did, you know," and they go, "Well, actually, dude, I'm like ten years younger than you, yeah. or twelve years younger than we go." Oh, oh okay. I was born in 1991, and you're like just like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't tell don't say anything because uh, you don't know shit <laughs> just yesterday i was talking to somebody and i found out she has the exact same birthday that i do but she was born 20 years after me wow yeah i was like oh yeah we're we, we have the same birthday but i'm you're, you're exactly 20 years older than me I'm like, thanks thanks very much you know that, that brings up something funny is that you know we are absolutely complete shit on this show about uh reading our our feedback that we get you know the emails and such that we get we got a great one a while back. I wish I could remember who it was from. But they totally took me to task for something I had said a while back about if you were born after the original <laughs> Star Wars trilogy this. was released, then I don't want to hear from you. Basically, it's like, shut up and don't give me your opinion. And I was, you know, I was kidding, you know, <laughs> but they really took, you know, some offense to it. And it was like, you know. But, Way to alienate three quarters of our yeah, audience, exactly. man. Yeah. <laughs> you old man, you. you know? Well, oh. that's the problem with my my particular brand of of sense of humor. I guess is that you know people like my wife, even my wife. You know, sixteen years we've been together. She's still. There's times I say something, she just looks at me like, seriously. I'm like, no, no, I was kidding. Yeah, I, was, I swear to God. And then a fight breaks out. So, you know. For a minute, there, I thought you were saying she was 16 years old. And I was going to, like, go, okay. <laughs> but I can dream. Oh, I didn't say that. Um, what the hell number was this episode? I can't find it on my list here. Oh, does it matter? It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> this is a piece of the action. Okay, here's the synopsis for this one, straight from the Star Trek compendium. 100 years before the start of the Enterprise's five-year mission, which actually, I'm thinking that puts it about the time of the Enterprise TV show, doesn't it? 
anyway, the Federation vessel USS Horizon visited the planet Iosha. The Iotians, being an imitative people, modeled, modeled their planet's culture on a book ha- that had been left behind by one of the Horizon's crew. The book, Sa- Chicago Mobs of the 20s, published in New York City in 1992, inspired the Iotians to create a flawless planet-wide imitation of a fragmented and violent old-time Chicago ruled by a handful of rival gangs. It is to this weird civilization that the Enterprise comes. At first, the landing party, consisting of Kirk, Spock, and Dr. McCoy, have difficulty handling their situation until Kirk begins to speak in the idiom of the planet. Bella Oxmix, a key gang leader who first makes contact with our people and wants to use the Enterprise's weapons to take over Iosha, is astounded by the change in the quote-unquote feds. That's what they call the Federation people. As is rival gangster Jojo Krakow, who, who from here on out, I'm going to call Mel Sharples. <laughs> right. Who has the same idea. By playing according to the Iosha's uh, unique rules, Kirk succeeds in uniting the planet's most influential gangsters and sets up a worldwide government under Bella Oxmix. Kirk leaves behind the illusion that the Federation will expect a piece of the action from uh, Iosha's new government. McCoy accidentally leaves behind his communicator, which may lead Iosha to become a super technological giant by the time of their next visit from the Federation. And that's the somewhat dry synopsis <laughs> for this episode yes. from the uh, Star Trek compendium. Actually gives very little, actually none really, of the, of the humor and wit that make up uh, this episode a piece of the action. So uh, how do we want to do this, fellas? We want to go round robin or... Well, Who Chris, starts first? Me what? start first. I start first. Yeah. No, Chris starts first. <laughs> Chris starts first. <laughs> well, like everybody, I'm <laughs> sure this is a everybody. This is always everybody's one of everybody's favorites. I know it's always ranks in the like top ten of Star Trek episodes, and for good reason. This is just a fun episode. A um, lot of good things. I mean, you mentioned before, earlier about the music. That, um, mm-hmm. That was I noticed that too. On after uh, rewatching it, it's like pretty much every classic uh, Star Trek background music was has been was on this episode. Um, it's a great season two episode. Um, you could see that because the timing I think was one of the best things in, in this episode. It went smooth. Uh, was uh, went fast. You know, there was no like lags point between you know the actors or it was just a good episode all the way around and never um every time i watch it 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 makes me laugh i you know i can't i've seen it 20 30 times and i still laugh at the same bits every time you know you know you got good old spacko on the machine gun (laughs) (laughs) but um overall this is like one of the best kirk episodes you'll ever see I mean, it's Kirk, the man of action. You know, he he finds out there's something wrong and he fixes it. You know, damn the the uh, the prime directive. You know, I'm gonna go in there and correct everything. And and he does methodically. He he yeah. And he you know, it's funny because he's just sort of bemused by the all the people with machine guns and pointing machine guns at him. It just you know. He just sort of goes along with it. All right, I'll let you lock me up in this room because it'll only take me three seconds to knock everybody out anyway, you know, when the time comes. 
Yeah. And uh, and he just proceeds with his plan unair, you know, unerringly, you know, because yeah, you know, for a highly intelligent and imitative people, they were they were a little dumb, you know. <laughs> and yeah, you have to admit when when Kirk was first talking to them. That's what you could almost feel that coming through. Like, oh, here I am, the superior person, smarter. You know, I'm gonna talk to these dumb aliens again. You know, you know, you could almost hear that, like him trying to say, "Well, I'll explain it later." You know, like almost like like someone talking to a kid. You know, oh, we'll tell you later. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You know, yeah, very next generation, like actually. <laughs> yeah, but um, and you know, and and every time you he, it was almost like he never felt like he was in truly danger. You know, they're sticking a machine right. gun in his face, and he's like, oh. Okay, you got me, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no big deal. But um, it, it was it was just a good episode for if you're a, uh, a Kirk fan. Uh, I have to say that it's just he does what he does best, you know. Um, just like I said, it's just I don't know, can't say you know. I'll probably chime in more when you guys talk about it. But um, overall, it's just like I said. Just really, really like this episode. You know, it, it's a good comedy episode. Um, the humor wasn't forced. Is one of the things I really wanted to point out. You know, it's it felt very natural. I think because it was a, a second season episode, that you know the crew had the cast had kind of grown, you know, gotten used to each other. They they know how to work with each other. They were real comfortable with each other. So right. they seemed to have a lot more fun with this one. Yeah, there's a lot of chemistry in it. Scotty gets Scotty gets to play the straight man instead of being sort of <laughs> like the funny guy this time. He gets to be the just the guy uh, on the other end trying to decipher the captain's, you know, <laughs> bizarre take on on gangster talk. <laughs> All right, cool it baby until I flag you. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's very stagey too, and, and yeah, and like, and then he'll do like weird asides where he'll be like, "Put him in the hold till you know I call you back, Scotty." Right in front of I, you know, yeah. and and you know, basically everybody's rolling their eyes. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great, great direction. Whoever directed did a great job because it's and I think I love this as a kid because I really took Star Trek seriously, mm-hmm. and when people were in danger, it scared the shit out of me. And this one was just like. A re- just one that you could enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. as 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 a little little kid. So I it just being funny. It was there was never any, you know. Even though they tried real hard, every like you guys were saying about the music, every just before every commercial break, they hit you with the loudest brashes. <laughs> As if they were in mortal danger at that sec- uh, at that ses- second, but it was always just a bunch of guys with machine guns showing up, and it would just be, "Yeah, we got you surrounded now." <laughs> it's like, no, they're not gonna die. This is a comedy episode, you know. We're gonna get to watch Kirk drive shitty, <laughs> well, that's which that's- they play- doesn't work. Yeah, they play that great big dramatic music, and then three seconds later, it's do 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 do. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make up your well, mind what the tone is of this. Well, the dr- so. the dramatic stuff is only at just the before the commercial breaks, and the whole rest of it is just is that. And it's really funny when Star Trek is being funny and the music is being funny. It always takes on kind of an Irish 
slant to it. You notice that? The music is always Right. Yeah, like the from Shirley. You always hear that, you know, where he's fighting Finnegan. You know, that's kind of I'm almost expecting I made a Finnegan joke in one of our most recent episodes, and I think Chris was the only one that got the joke. And I'm now wow. trying to remember what the hell episode that was. Because we had, I think we had guests at the time or some. Ah, shit, I can't remember. But anyway, somebody will remember and point it out to me. <laughs> I mean, we were, but Scott, we, yeah, I'm, of course, I'm going to get it because we were so like making Finnegan jokes all through high school that when that movie Finnegan Begin Again, Begin Again came out I remember you and I would just crack up when like Siskel and Ebert would be well now we're reviewing Finnegan Begin Again and we're, whoa <laughs> <laughs> Jibber boy <laughs> that was it that was it. It was when we were doing a recording with uh, with Michael Bailey and uh, and Jeffrey Taylor for Back to the Bins, and somebody said something, and I was like, "Jimmy boy," and you started laughing, and, and they, they were, were just, just like, "They're just like moving on." Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> moving forward with uh, the rational conversation. <laughs> That's the hell of being a Star Trek fan. You know, you make those little gags like that, and only other. Real Star Trek geeks tend to get them. (laughs) I'll tell you this, though. I am not so much of a Star Trek fan. I will, I swear to God, I will never, ever, ever play Fizzbin. (laughs) I know there's people out there who play Fizzbin. I think that's the lamest thing in the world. All right? I think that's lamer than learning. Lamer than, I'm going, I'm putting my neck out on this one. It's lamer than learning Klingon, because at least Klingon, you could say it's a real... Fizzbin is a bullshit game. Right. It literally is a bullshit game. Kirk's bullshitting, and he's so obviously bullshitting that I can't believe those guys didn't even took took him seriously. Well, so yeah. to have people try to, like, take what he said, which are nonsense rules, and as a matter of fact, he says just the opposite. I, I, was, listen, I was actually paying attention to the rules, and, one, and when he started playing it, he contradicted one of his rules with the guy, and the guy didn't even... Right. Yeah, pick up the on third it jack yeah. yeah 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 oh you've got the third jack right <laughs> okay i know you're just setting me up for this so i'll have to just admit right now i'm right now holding in my hands oh, is no. the instructions on how to play fizzbit <laughs> that's okay to have you know. and i learned it oh. i'm going to tell you the story in i'm so sorry high, dude i have my other star trek geek friends i there's this uh, at the time there was this thing called a uh, Star Trek poster book. Basically, you know, mm-hmm. it was like a, a large poster folded up and then. Oh, I, I, yeah, I love those things. Right, and and in one of them was how to play Fizzbin, and I told my friend I got this, and look, we can play Fizzbin, and I got up my typewriter, and this is for computers. You remember, typed right. up the the article on how to play Fizzbin. Rode my bike to the public library so I can Xerox it uh-huh. and gave it to all my friends and said, we're going to play Fizzbin during our lunch break, you know, during junior high. How'd and it go? So it worked. We were, for weeks, we were playing this. We actually got the hang of it. <laughs> and the worst part was, you know, years later, I mean, we're talking, God, you know, 10, 15 years later. 
I would run into people who I went to junior high with, and they still remembered us playing that Star Trek card game. Well, of course they do. It's the, they, it's the same as they remember the people who cut up the squirrels in the in the schoolyard, man. People tend to, people tend to remember the you know. But you know, and, and like Scott's laughing, man. But that's why they remember us. Yeah. But look, I mean. You know, eating our lunch, sure. playing cards. And then somebody would ask, "What are you playing?" And we're like, "Fizbin," and like, "Oh God!" I would only play Fizbin if you started playing it, and then halfway through the game, one person flips the table up, and then the other person gives the, the person <laughs> on their left a Vulcan nerve pinch. <laughs> and be true. That's true, Fizbin. That's <laughs> being like true to <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because that's one of the things I like best in this episode is I'm always a sucker for episodes where Kirk gets to beat the shit out of three or four different people. Well, and now did you know in this one and the, and the last one you were on Gallo too. This that one had a lot of the same sort of good natured Kirk beating up 20th century type guys. And you notice how Kirk beats up 20th century guys? He'll grab them and he just wobbles them around for a little while, <laughs> and then he punches them out. He'll spin them around and wobble them, and they'll just sort of stand there going, "What? What's happening?" Happening to me? <laughs> I thought well, I was a badass gangster, and this guy's wo- wobbling me around. What does that mean? And then, boom, he knocks him out. This episode has one of my favorite Kirk hits somebody moments of of any Kirk hitting somebody moment, which is when uh, he runs up the step af- steps after the little boy falls down, and he goes, "Sonny, what have they done to you? What have they done?" <laughs> and then what an asshole Kirk is because right after that, you know, the kids wants a percentage. The kid, I mean, they made an explicit promise. The kid said, I get, I, I figure I would get a percentage. And he's like, all right, you got a deal. And then Kirk just looks at him and goes, piece of the action kid. And it's like, yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> I could have gotten shot just now. He's probably still sitting on those steps, you know, like days later. Where's my cut, man? Yeah, exactly. He should have put the kid in charge of the planet. <laughs> I would have, that kid was pretty bright. Yeah, that, that, that kid had some stones, man. All right, well, I'll give He's you He's a this. bad actor, though. Daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> I hurt myself. <laughs> okay, you wanted bits of trivia? I'll give you a bit of trivia. Ooh. Yeah, that kid... He's a he's a dentist in de- in, in Colorado now. Oh wow! <laughs> okay. See, I can hang with the best of the geeks. I can tell you. <laughs> can you imagine? Next thing, the, next thing you're station? gonna tell me you went there and got your. That's where you go get your fillings done no. too. <laughs> <laughs> but and you're imagine. like in there, and he's like, "Daddy, daddy, 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 I hurt." And he's like, "What the? Ha- oh God, no." <laughs> Not another one of you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Good, yeah, good, was... good. Will you sign my my DVD of appreciation? <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine being one of his uh, patients. You know, <laughs> you're all novocained up. You you poke your head back in the door. Piece of the action, Doc. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm right back yeah, at yeah. you. Come here, I think you need a new filling. <laughs> exactly. Actually, that's true. You don't want to mess with the dentist. That's that's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the Marathon Man one too many times. Is it safe? Look, I tell you, I can't do it. <laughs> he'll be like, oh, I, you, the, you'll be, he'll, you'll be, you'll make some crack about a piece of the action. The next thing you know, you'll be like. 
I'm going to sleep. And then you wake up and he'll be like, I, I noticed you were asking me about piece of the action, so I assumed you were a Star Trek fan. I gave you these nice Ferengi teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I made the upper part Ferengi, the lower part Klingon. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man what have you got what do you got on this episode who me yeah you um well this has one of my my second favorite kirk move well okay i'm gonna get more specific because there's different like scott said that he's got the the talking a sentence and using the last word is the punch. Right. And that's like that's like a subcategory of Kirk. I've got my favorite Kirk running moves. And my favorite, of course, as Scott knows, is the shoulder roll. Where you're running from one place to another and you use the shoulder roll in for regular... No real reason. For no reason, but at regular intervals. And uh, But this one is he goes running down the hall and he jumps at box. It's awesome. There's like a box in the middle of the hall and he goes... And, and I know Shatner went running down that hall and said, you know, can we just put a box or something? Something for me to jump to get a little more action going, you know? Because I got this gun and it's fun to jump over something with, you know? It's more visual and I get to jump over something. So that, that I saw that, uh, you know, the box is just conspicuously placed in the middle of the hallway for him to... Um, when they first get to the planet, does Uhura just call up Oxmix on the phone? Is that because, you know, they, they already have him on the horn. And at least they didn't do the stupid thing where they would have, like, seen him on the screen or something. But, you know, they're talking to him. Did his phone ring? And they're like, hi, we're the Space Federation. We want to talk to you. And he was, you know, and he was like, how, you know, and, and he was like, sure, I'll talk to you, you know. He's like, come on, really, who is this? Well, that's what somebody would do, right? Well, actually, no, because they do know there's spaceships because the first one crashed and they were they were aware of better you know and getting the book and and radio and everything so i guess but to, you know did his phone ring and it, 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 that that was just weird um well she Spock said um, act- they were um contacted by you know by by them so they called them up so <laughs> oh man oxmix is gonna have one bitch of a long distance I know, exactly <laughs> i well i also picture in that time period right they have a phone but it's all like it's like those it's like little you know lucy women with you know lucy lucille ball women not no, lucy goosey uh, women it's lily tomlin lily tomlin yeah with, you know you know so so you got to her talking with you know b51902 uh so so what yeah I that was know is how's how can spock have a communicate uh, a conversation with her from a radio station <laughs> and they're playing yeah, exactly. songs, and suddenly they have a two-way conversation there. What I love is is Spock does that, and when he he hits it and the voice comes on, I is that James Doohan? Does that yeah. do you know that? I, I I was just like that sounds like James Doohan, and of course it would be because he was a voiceover actor, and it's like, yeah, so he got to be, so he got to like have a little fun in this one, um, but. Yeah, did you did you notice Ch- Spock check out that woman's butt? He, no, I, I didn't. I freeze framed it. I freeze framed it. Took the ruler out and followed his eye line. And was just like yeah, and then he said fascinating right afterwards. <laughs> I meant to look up who the one mall was. Um, I forget whether it was Bella's or uh, 
or uh, Mel Sharples there, but one of them, the blonde balls. one or the, yeah, the blonde, she looks the blonde so one was was um, to me was Mel Sharples. And did you notice that like that uh, Oxmix, the big boss, had a kind of a little bit of a hotter mall, a little younger and hotter mall than uh, yeah. than uh, Mel Sharples did. Mel Sharples was more stuck with flow than. And, and um, Oxmix kind of looked like um, what's her name? Um, um, the you know the, the 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 woman that's all into dip, all past lives. Um, God, I can hear Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're yeah. right. She yeah, did. She I, see, I kept listed. thinking that she was somebody from somebody famous from TV because I thought she looked a little like uh, Morticia Adams, and I'd swear that there was a. I mean, I didn't never watched a whole lot of the Adams family, but I would swear that there was one where she was visited by a relative. And of course, they always did this on like the Munsters and shows like that, where the relative was just a regular from the show dressed in a different outfit. Right. You know? And I'm, I'm all, I could swear like that Jethreen th- on, uh, yeah, Beverly Hillbillies. I would genie swear on that genie. Was, yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, my dream threesome. That there was an episode of uh, <laughs> Adam's Family where Morticia had a visit from I don't know it's like a sister or cousin or something you know, like a lookalike cousin or something but she was like you know fairly normal but like really hot and that's what that woman kept remind I kept looking at her going man she looks you know she she really looked familiar like somebody from you know late sixties early seventies TV that I should know and I just could not and- place her. I yeah. didn't recognize her name at all either at the end. I thought the same sort of thing. She's uncredited. The The only mall is um, um, uh, Krakow's Mall is listed. But uh, the one, Oxmith, the, the one with the black hair, she's not listed. There's no credit for her. Hmm. Oh, that's weird. So she may be someone famous who was just like, you know, like she was hanging out one day. And said, I want to be on a Star Trek episode and, you know, but I don't want anybody to know it's me. You know, that kind of thing. So I had to watch the beginning of this one over again, speaking of the credits, because as the credits were rolling and I was actually paying attention to them, I saw that it said uh, Chekhov. And I said, what the hell was Chekhov in this episode? <laughs> so I went back. He has like one what line a, at the very city, beginning of the Iosha yeah. 5. That's it. <laughs> I was like, really? He got credited for that? <laughs> oh, yeah. You'd ha- yeah. It's all, yeah that's, that's all he had to say in that whole thing. You have to. He's hanging out at the buffet table, you know. Well, that's—I mean, that's that's like that—that's getting into the prestige when you actually have a line on a show, you know. Right. That's, yeah. You know, usually, you're just walking by with a clipboard on your hand or looking <laughs> down into a screen or something on Star Trek. When you actually get, you know, the first tier is saying something like "Thank you, sir" or something like that, or uh, you know, "Set at five point nine, sir" or something like that, and then like, then you get to introduce a planet, and then you actually get to like romance women like Chekhov and scream and stuff like that but you got to build your way up you know I mean whenever you read all the books about the production of it they were always the 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 secondary characters were always trying to get you know more more play and you know through the movies even you know it was it was always you know can we get more her in there you know this movie has more her in it you know and this episode has more her so those that was probably a pretty big deal I noticed there was no Sulu in this one, but I failed to note who who actually was at the helm. I I didn't even pay attention, but I noticed it wasn't Sulu. 
Yeah, they just pretty much didn't show the helmsman station. <laughs> it's like, keep in the frame, you know. Yeah, we can save ten bucks. Yeah. Well, but, you saw what's his name? That poor guy, um, Hadley. No lines whatsoever. He just sat there in his little chair, and you know, like Lieutenant Hadley, look up Hita, and he just, just okay, you know, doesn't say anything. Just kind of gives that look. Like, <laughs> poor guy. I'm glad you mentioned camera angles because this one had some great camera angles that weren't just goofy like, hey, let's tip the camera like Batman angles that they sort of got in the third season. Uh, the, my fa- the one that stands out the most that I just love is when you had um, – when uh, it was – I believe it was Oxmix and his ma were talking to, to Scotty on the, on the communicator and it's a shot from above them and they're both looking up towards the sky as they talk on you know at the ship and uh scotty's kind of looking down you know as he's talking so they're you know i i love that it was great you know it that's that's great yeah i agree i I saw that i love that scene it's like hey you you open the ship and he just kind of like yeah and the the way they look at the camera it's like if you're on the ship they were like looking at you it's just a really good shot well, the whole concept of this show, if you think about it for more than three seconds, is so stupid and ridiculous. And the fact that they pull it off so seamlessly and without you thinking, oh, come on, this is just stupid. Especially, like, there's there's a tendency, you know, to get a little frustrated with Star Trek, especially the original Star Trek, because they keep revisiting, you know, 20th century stuff. Earth stuff because that's the sets they had in the back lot, you know, so you had Miri and, you know, all these sort of and, you know, it makes you sort of almost want to roll your eyes sometimes when it turns up, but not in this, this one it works wonderfully and it, and it you know, if, if, if you really sat down and tried to think of it as serious science fiction, it, it's it's a little little ridiculous. And it didn't work as well for Nazi Germany when the one where, where Nazi Germany develops on on another planet, you know what I mean? Yeah. And is it? And there's one where with the with the with the uh, is it the Declaration of in- Independence yeah. or the Constitution? Yeah. So, well, so there's, this, this... there's also bread and circuses that we, yeah. we did not long ago. See, I was going to argue with you that. See, I have a confession: is that this was never one of my favorite episodes. I enjoy it now for for the humor that's in it, but right out of the gate, you've kind of kind of check your brain at the door a little bit because it's a pretty goofy concept. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, for one thing, there's no way in hell <laughs> That's that what the I oceans got <laughs> all of their their information from that one book. I mean, how do they know to talk the way that they do and stuff? You know, I mean, there you know, a book would not have that information in it. You well, know? a book in 1992 might have a um it might have a DVD, a CD-ROM <laughs> set with it, with some old James, obviously with some old James Cagney movies in it. Obviously, Kirk's watched some James Cagney movies too, because yeah. he starts completely going to see here, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> wise guy, eh? Hey? Well, you remember he just came back from um, from 1930 Earth, you know, so he picked up a few <laughs> lingo there, you know. That's where he got the blower from and the flop and all that stuff like that. So he's just kind of drawn his on his past experiences. So <laughs> <laughs> I I like it, but it it's definitely uh, yeah, it's it's one that you kind of have to go. Okay, let's just let's just run with this for the sake of the fun of the episode. But yeah. it's a pretty goofy concept. 
Yeah, I mean, the other one... Like that. In season two, a lot of that fish out of water, you know, we land on a planet just like Earth, except, you know, the Nazis kept, were in power and this and that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that one I can forgive a little bit more because they actually had somebody there that was that had caused all of it, you know, that that was actually steering the cultures and had put himself in charge as a Fuhrer and all that. This one here that it's that it's a book, you know, that caused all of this and that these guys I mean, these guys are the 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 ultimate character actors. They never break from the story that they're you know, actually living in, in, you know, sh- you know, 30 Chicago. I mean, they stick to the thing the entire way through. That's pretty wild. <laughs> if the, if Kirk would just ignore the prime directive again, although it always backfires on Kirk, he could have just gone, you know, here, here's about 50 other books <laughs> to show you that there's like right. all, di- all different stuff, you know, that, and, and, he, you know, I mean, they're, they, they're not, uh, they, they understand concepts and when Kirk proposes a reasonable idea to them, they're all like, oh, okay, you know, he has to muscle them a little bit and show them the firepower of the Enterprise. But if he said, hey, you know, why, why didn't they try the, the direct approach and say, this was a mistake, you see. Beam him up to beam him up to the ship. Beam, you know, Oxmix up to the ship, and uh, um, say, "Look, it was a big mistake. Here's what happened. You know, we're gonna set set you up as a boss. You can run it this way, but you gotta slowly work it into, you know, here's a bunch of different political systems and stuff. You guys can figure it out. You know, figure it out for yourself. But just to, just telling you." The book was basically one of eight billion books that have been published on various right. subjects, and it's not the book, you know, and, and 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 see how that worked. But they didn't even try that. Kirk was just like, nope. <laughs> I guess that way isn't as fun for Kirk either. <laughs> and I guess the only fun that Kirk avoided in this was Lady... He got a short, a brief little massage, but it got called off as soon as he became uncooperative. So, you, uh, so it was very unusual that Kirk didn't have a lady friend or... Or anything in this episode, but eh, I'll forgive that. It's got every other Kirk bit in it that you could possibly ever, ever want. And I and and you know, I mean, in this one, Shatner even crosses some Shatner lines of exaggeration and and chewing of the scenery. The Fizbin game is just you know he's so patriot, you know. Oh, aren't you a lucky guy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you never hear that weedly voice ever from Kirk ever again, you know? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I liked that, you know, again, you didn't see him do very often, but the the facial expressions, especially when yes. he, with him with him and Spock, when, yeah. when Spock was starting to get into it, you, I swear, the, the, when he does the, when when Spock keeps giving him the, the wrong kind of answers, that look like like it's like, why do I even bother? Right. <laughs> I mean, he even does the kind of throws his hands up like, oh God, forget it, forget this guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can pretty much hear the eye rolls. That's how much how how good this episode is, and it's and the funny thing is like you don't see Kirk do that. You know, very often, but it worked. It fit so well. And I'm just like, 
I'm almost willing to bet that's how William Shatner is in real life. He's more yes. of that kind of like unbelievable. You know? <laughs> well, he would do that weird thing where he'd make the the it, it's almost a stimpy face from Ren and Stimpy where he'd squint <laughs> his eyes down and make that big like weird stretched out grin and be like, "Oh, I'm talking bullshit with you." <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it, a, a, as a kid, there was I just cracked I, it, it cracked me up. You know the one li- I forget like what a big deal. You know I'm so used to Spock and Kirk and stuff, and I forget what a big deal like Spock was. Like I totally like Spock was my favorite character, and when he finally started playing along, and was like you know I advise you to you know keep <laughs> dialing and stuff. It's one of the great Star Trek punchlines, you know and. And it could have the the show could have been awkward, but the comic timing was there. You know, it was they didn't Spock doesn't get into character until you know more than three quarters of the way through the story. By the time Spock's getting it and going, oh, all right, I've got to pretend to be one of the natives. Which even a logical mind he could have figured that out a little earlier, but still, it wouldn't have been as funny. Yeah, and and, and that's great. And and. You know, the exact instant he did it, it was, and I know Scott's going to, there's going to be a Scott eye roll on here, but it sort of, it reminded <laughs> me a little bit of Star Trek four, you know, yeah. uh, the, the humor, the, the light, you know, the light sort of, you know, problem solving instead of, you know, Star Trek four had an existential looming problem and stuff, but it didn't feel like it, you know, it was more about like, let's get the actors. The actors are really enjoying being with each other and 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 they really act well together. Let's let them have some fun and throw in a shit a shitload of character actors. When they had all the uh, mobsters together, I'd like to get find an episode of Batman that has a whole bunch of gangsters together because I think a lot of those actors are the same. There's that little old that that little old guy with the who looks like. Um, Oh, He's the same name? guy that shoots himself with McCoy's phaser in uh, City on the Edge of Forever. The guy uh, with the milk bottle. Remember, he, he yeah. drops the milk bottle. He looks like he looks like a little like Jimmy Durante, right? Yeah, the old guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's. I don't know I, about I, I know Batman, seen... but that guy and the guy that played, I think, Oxmix, they played uh, gangsters on Superman several times. Uh-huh. The adventure, the old George Reeves Adventures of Superman. Well, they're all just classic gangster, right. you know, characters. They, are, you know, they're all just brought together to, to be because they were just like, ah, oh, well, this society will be a, a, a exaggerated parody of gangsterism. We might as well get the exaggerated caricature character actors to to play them too. And I know that little Jimmy Durante guy. I know I've seen him in Batman with that, you know, with the exact same big old hat that he's wearing, you know, <laughs> and the same zoot suity sort of thing. I just wish when they had gone in and done the, the 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 you know special edition treatment on this one that somebody had had thought to have uh, one of uh, Krakow's malls go kiss my grits. Oh, <laughs> Stow it, Flo. <laughs> Stow it, dingy. <laughs> yeah. But- they didn't really have much to do in the special edition of this one. There was, no. you know, just just the obligatory ship pulls up to the planet shots, but you know, they touched the, up the the phaser blast at the end, which is actually one of my biggest nitpicks with this episode. Is since when 
does the Enterprise fire stun bolts down to the that? <laughs> it seems like the 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 phasers shouldn't well, have that setting or, or it's like a ceiling fan you know you got the you got the <laughs> dial there and you just don't turn it up all the way it, it's the only time it's ever been done the mm -hmm. closest that came to it is the um the one with the ultimate computer where they reduced the phasers to like one one hundredth of strength level but this is the only time they've ever right. set it like to um stun so, yeah, I, yeah I it doesn't seem there. like with a spaceship you would come upon too many things you would have to stun with your phasers out <laughs> in space, you know? And how often would that would have come into handy in some of the other episodes, you know? Like, yes, they're yes. down on the surface of the planet, something goes wrong, stun them! Yeah. Okay, we're done, you know? Yeah, End of episode. exactly. <laughs> stun everything in a 60-foot radius of us, and then the natives run off and, and leave you alone for the rest of the time you're down there. Yeah. Yep. Easy enough. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I think I the only way I can no prize that is to say, well, it would probably be against the you know, the the fucking tenth commandment to to do that or whatever. You know yeah, right. Like <laughs> that's gonna stop Kirk. Well this was this was a situation where the prime directive's already been fiddle fucked with. So they were like, Okay, well right. we can bend the rules a little more in the case of this one, you know. So that's the only way I could think of to 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 say that. Except you know. See, I'm I'm just I'm I'm with Chris Gallo that I mean how many times would that have come in really, <laughs> really handy? In, a, in like a zillion other episodes where it'd just be like, oh, just stun these assholes and let's go, <laughs> yeah. all right? Yeah, they won't even know I hit them. They'll just wake up and be like, what happened? Just like, th maybe that's what happens with abductees. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you bringing in anal probes into this now? <laughs> yeah, that's, ne that's, that's Troy in the next generation. I <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know with McCoy. You know, those country doctors, he's just like, you know, a, a good high colonic will cure you anything. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just put them in the holodeck and make it look like aliens and probe their butt. Oh, that reminds me. I've got a big middle finger to give to J.J. Uh, Abrams oh. in this one because I uh. knew... I knew in my gut and in my heart that that the name Bones came from yes. an abbreviation of the old West term of Sawbones, and Kirk mm -hmm. says it in this episode. He calls so him Sawbones. Yeah, J.J. Abrams. This is the only time he's ever he ever uses the full nickname Sawbones. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I knew it was out there somewhere, and I couldn't remember if it was non-canon, like from a book or a comic, or if it was from one of the actual episodes. And he said it in this one, and when he said it, I just pumped my fist in the air. I was like, yes! Take that, In your J. J. face, Abrams, yeah, you weasley little bastard. Exactly. Exactly. Because while I like that, you know, that part, I like the, the new Bones, you know, the guy playing the Dr. Yes. McCoy in that movie. He was one oh, of the bright spots fantastic. of that movie. And I even like the little explanation they give, but it still hit that anal retentive nerd button, you know, that <laughs> God damn it. I know that that's not the origin of Bones, you know, the, 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 the nickname of Bones. So yeah, I was well, well, now we know that these are two different timelines because J.J. <laughs> Abrams oh, don't can, me drive can drive like a son of a bitch, and and the uh, <laughs> and, and the and the and the original Kirk has no. Oh, you know, that's a good. No, yeah, that's a good catch. Um, no idea how to work the clutch yeah. at yeah. all. 
Now, what I like is uh, actually there there have been uh, some little asides, and there was almost a sequel to this episode, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But uh, there was a great little nod to this episode in I couldn't tell you what episode it was, but there was an episode of uh, Enterprise where the captain and um, to Paul went back to basically modern day at the time. It was like 2000 something. And he has to drive a pickup truck. And that sequence where he's learning to drive and she's advising him was pretty much lifted right from this episode. Right, a Vulcan and an Earthman. Right. It was really cool. I like that one a lot. Do you remember which episode that is, Chris? Uh, uh, It's been uh, like... uh, Delancey Street or Baker Street or yeah uh, yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about good episode but that's, not, it's not, that's not the only one there, there was a other slight reference in um the one where Travis went back home to this to his, that spaceship that his family owns and operates uh, if you look in the background again here's the nerd talking in the in the background he has a copy of the uh, Chicago mobs of the 20th century. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he has right. that on his bookshelf. So, that's right. um, yeah, but and he also has a, a model of the Horizon on on his bookshelf. Also, um, it's a it's a special class of starship. I remember it's like Again. that one that that Doctor Crusher has in uh, All Good um, Things, where it's got the big the big like yeah. round head like the what was the name of that ship in 2001 the uh, odyssey odyssey yeah, yeah it has yes. a yeah it looks like that it's, it's basically an enterprise but instead of a saucer section it has like the big like ball head on it but yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly. that's cool i always like those ships too they're cool looking yeah but um yeah i know exactly what you're talking about um but i'll tell you one thing i liked in this episode that I don't know what, what what why I find this so funny, and it's just twice they do it in this episode. But they, Oxsmith calls Spock dope and dummy, and for yes. some reason that just makes me laugh. Yes. Like you dope, and like what? That, that must drive Spock nuts too, especially <laughs> dummy. It's just like. <laughs> You know, Spock's like, you know, he's like probably thinking like Marvin the Paranoid, you know, I've got the brain the size of a planet. Right. You're calling me a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, see, this is this is the beauty of this episode. You know, you're right when the overall premise of this, this episode is really pretty ridiculous. But scene by scene, you know, line by line, it's just something about this. You can quote it all day long and have fun with it. Right, it's you know, um, you know, you know, it's the the pieces are 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 better than the sum. Kind of, kind of. You you know, my favorite line is, mm. "You want to live, don't you, Kirk?" Yes, I want. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> radical. I want to live. Yes, I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking, dude, you don't even know. <laughs> the beauty of that is you, the, the delivery, because Kirk, as you can see, he's about to respond, and, yes. and, you know, and, and, and Vic is all like, "You bet you do!" You know, like and Kirk kind of like looks, kind of like, "Okay, I want to live." Okay, you know. <laughs> it, it goes back to what I was saying about time in this episode. The, the director did an incredible job. Yes. You know, everybody was hitting their marks perfectly. You know, there, there's no lag. There's no like. Well, they were obviously just having a riot. They were just having a riot, you know. Yeah. I mean, the scene where, you know, you could tell 
that Nimoy and Shatner were loving the, everybody was loving the scene where they come walking out through the door in their gay, you know, in their gangster yeah. outfits with their yeah. guns. It was just yeah. like, Oh God, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and they were probably just like, yeah, this is fun. You know, we get to dress up as gangsters now, you know, with a pointy eared Vulcan gangster. <laughs> Where'd you get them ears? <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, um, I have a theory that, you're right that this is the one they really enjoyed having a lot. Of, they had a lot of fun with this because if you ever watched the blooper reels, the the very you know like the first blooper reels, majority of them come from this episode. From That's this episode. true. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And yeah. you you got to know that that only happens when they're having a lot of fun with it. You know, that part with the uh, with the zoot suits though does definitely hit one of those things that always drives me nuts in movies and TV shows. And thank God that Raiders of the Lost Ark finally addressed it where the hero knocks out the bad guy, steals their clothes, and the clothes always fit. Are like, tailored to perfect. them. Oh, yes. These things were tailored to those guys. They yep. were, you know, they came out snug as a bug in a rug. Yep. That makes me crazy. That's why I love that scene in Raiders where, where Indy knocks out the puny little soldier and then the clothes don't fit i love that because it's like yes every movie we've ever seen up to this point you know they never never addressed that it was always just a given that if he stole the clothes they were going to be a perfect match you know or like in die hard 50 million terrorists and i i get one with feet smaller <laughs> feet than my, smaller sister. my sister yeah i love that <laughs> that's true i forgot about that one now what Another huge nitpick for me in this one, and again, it's just a nitpick. It's not anything that like ruins the episode for me or anything, but it was just one of those things when I saw it, I was like, oh, brother, is they all go to the window when uh, the hit goes down. You know, all the, all the mob bosses are there. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy are there, and then uh, somebody disarms McCoy, and they're keeping them all at, at machine gun point, and then... Uh, who is it? I think it's Krakow's boys pull up and then Bella's boys pull up and then all, you know, this big gunfight breaks out and Kirk says something. I can't remember what, but he convinces, um, Krakow to let him call up to the enterprise and Krakow specifically says no, he, he says like no tricks, Kirk or no funny business or something. Yeah. 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 And so what does Kirk do? He tells you, yeah, Scotty, uh, fire the phasers down here and stun everybody. And it's like, why the hell didn't Krakow just shoot him or snap, you know, <laughs> smack the thing? I mean, he's telling them, yeah, shoot everybody. You know, I mean, this is the very definition of no funny business, right? Yes. <laughs> it's about the funniest funny business you right. could pull at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of stupid, you know. Like, it's, it's, it was- but at the same point, all those guys expect funny business because they all pull funny business all the time because they're just ridiculous. They're not even real gangsters. That's the thing is they're not. I I have I have the feeling that there's not even a lot of bloodshed on this planet. That uh, there's just a lot of like shootouts where cars get a lot of bullet holes in them. I don't know stuff. that one guy that uh, when when they first beam down and uh, Kirk and Spock are met by those two guys. That one guy gets wasted. They riddle him. Yeah. You know, like like Sonny uh, Corleone yeah. style there, you know? Yeah, but if, if, if you take the number of bullets fired in this show and the number of corpses, that's it. He's the corpse. Well, so that's pretty good. And that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a, they, they fight A-team a style. 
<laughs> shoot around <laughs> in the dirt. You know? Multiple multiple people with you know automatic weapons that fire multiple rounds per second, firing at each other at point blank range, and then reloading and firing at each other again at point blank range, and and then you know running away. Well, I well, also you know, like where Kirk and Spock leave their machine guns sitting right there in that convertible <laughs> where a kid could just walk up and you know take it if he wanted to. I thought that yeah. was pretty irresponsible. And nobody touches it. Yeah, right? yeah they come back and they're still sitting there. <laughs> they come with the keys there and everything, too. Nobody t- what a, here's this big gangster world and nobody bothers to jack the car. And <laughs> you get that sweet Cadillac just sitting there and nobody touches it. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. Well, I'll tell you the one gripe I really do have with this one, and nobody's been able to give me a uh, 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 no prize answer. Okay, this is Krakow is the second boss. You got Bella Oxmith is the big he has the biggest territory in the world. They're close enough that they can drive to each other's capital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their their guys are just driving back and forth to each other's place. Yeah, yeah and then the they, third they border guy, each Tepo. other or something. I guess. You yeah, know? It, was, it must be like one of those five corner states. You know, like five corners <laughs> on the <BBS>. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus, Bella thing. has all their phone numbers because he calls the other guys. That's how Kirk brings them all together. And like I said, and Teppo, like I said, comment, he goes, he goes, you know, Bella's all like, yeah, I got a lot of nerve. What are you going to do about it? And you hear Teppo go, going to bring a couple of my boys over there. And, you know, and it's like, and it's like, wait a minute. So, so now three gangsters live within driving distance of each other. It's, it's a very small world. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's, it's just basically an island on a big blob of water, you know, or something like that, you know. So yeah, it's it's basically the size of New York City or something, you know. Liberty Island like. or something, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Kirk was able to drive like you know, like drive a red style to from one territory to the other, you know, like he can't be <laughs> right. going like more than ten miles an hour in that thing. Well, if the, if it was a long distance, he, you think he would have gotten the hang of driving by the time they or got burned there. Burned out the at clutch, least. one of the. Yeah, days. I know. I I mean, I've dri- uh, the only kind of car I've ever driven was an automatic, and you know, I got the. I I, I mean, I did that for a little while, but you figure it out pretty. Yeah. Cr- I mean, he's a he's a Starfleet captain. You know, he's got some piloting experience. He could. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a way. He's got. A, yeah. You know. Well, now, uh, bit of go ahead. That's that's the first time and the last time you ever see a land-based vehicle in Star Trek uh, original series. They've never driven a, a vehicle like that. I mean, oh, even- I was gonna say we've seen him before because that guy had his tricycle in Miri. <laughs> <laughs> it was broken, was and somebody broken. needed to fix it, but it it was there. It was a land-based vehicle. Nobody drove it, although that would have been awesome. <laughs> Or if you could call when um, Kirk is riding Spock, and Spock's going, that's sort of a land-based vehicle, right? Spock would be functionally a land. He would functionally be a land-based vehicle at that point. Now wait, this this trivia bit you're talking. You're talking about this is the only time we see any of the principals like driving a car or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. driving any kind of vehicle on the planet yeah. from yeah. one place to another. Well, I mean, they ride horses, but I don't know that that really would count. But yeah, I was trying to think of a time when they might ride something, and I can't think of anything. The only other thing I can think of is like way, way, way later when uh, when they have the little 
space dune buggy and nemesis but you know that's that's next gen crew so and in in, in four when they ride the bus ah yeah that's true yeah Mm -hmm. oh they're riding a pickup truck in that too yeah yeah but none of them are driving i think that's probably what the trivia is addressing is that you know it's not them actually you know controlling the vehicle which is a good point in the original series yeah i mean yeah in the movies you see other things but um yeah yeah, it's Although, watching Kirk drive that thing, I can see why. <laughs> Sorry, Captain. You suck as a driver. Well, I noticed that this one ends on a freeze frame and something I was one just looking at. One of the world's at. shortest freeze frames yeah. ever. It's just like, bear, you can bear. I, w- I had that note, too, and I, w- and I didn't think anybody else would notice it. Good eye, man. Yeah. yeah. According yeah. to something yeah. I'm looking at here, it says this is the only one that ever ended. And I don't yeah. know that that's accurate but that's what i don't remember everyone ending that that's why i noticed it but it's like the world's shortest freeze frame it just sort of freezes and then it's over it's like a a fraction of a second yeah and i i thought i was gonna be the only one who sees it because i like film editing it was sort of just like did that just and then i was thinking typical typical visual language back in those days yeah but usually it would it would freeze on a like ah ha ha or they deliver the punchline and then they'd freeze with everybody making like a grimace or something you know like yeah but then the credits would roll over it and this this was like freeze and then cut to the you know to the end music and credits and it's just very strange you usually see it usually the the reason to do a freeze frame is to hold the picture for a little while you know to to say, hey, I'm putting a little exclamation mark on this exact moment, you know. I didn't see why they would want to do that there, other, you know, any differently than they usually do, which is just like either a fade to fade to black or, you know, or just a cut. Yeah. So it was weird. The only reason was so they can give, let um, William Shatner do his um, Fonzie imitation. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Well, this this one, you know, after the the when the credits are rolling at the very end, this one also has uh, uh, Baylock looking straight into my soul at the at the end of it too, and it always freaks me the hell out. Even at forty three years old, that still freaks me the hell out when I watch a classic episode of Star Trek, and you got Baylock just l- staring at me from the television just unsettles me and i have to leave the room well you know what that it really unsettled me as a kid whenever i'd see that on the show and it was a long time before i actually saw that episode and then it was so it was such a letdown because it was not as scary as just a freeze frame of him you know the freeze frame of him and the reality of of him was just not as as creepy yeah, yeah he is some of those creepy. free some of those freeze frames are pretty creepy yeah they, they definitely chose they were like we spent all this money on these monster suits we better do a freeze for you know we better use these as much as possible man oh this is so not star trek but i i just thought of this and i had to bring it up you know what i saw the other day we uh we were driving around the other day and uh just happened to see a toys r us that i had never spotted before so uh, we decided to whip in there real quick just to check it out, you know, and they had a nice little clearance section. I didn't buy it, but I was so tempted. There is actually an action figure of the great big lurch looking dude from um, uh, To Serve Man from the Twilight Zone, <laughs> that dude that looks like oh, Rock. Oh, it was yeah. awesome. I saw that. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I thought it was really cool because he does look very Star Trek. You know, he looks like... Uh, 
a mix of like the ass heads and like uh, rock from uh, yeah. what girls made of. It's awesome. It might even be Ted Cassidy. I'm not really sure, but it, it looks it looks like Ted Cassidy with like an ass head and a goatee. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't believe there was an action figure of that. I was just like, it was awesome. did it come with a book? Too. Oh, you know, I didn't notice. Oh, I should have. If it didn't, it totally should have the book. That's cool. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. <laughs> see what I'll say. I got a couple other quick things on this one. Um, oh, as I mentioned before, there was almost a sequel to this one mm-hmm. back when they were doing. I forget which anniversary it was, but one of the anniversaries of Star Trek. Um, the other series that were on TV at the time we're doing tribute episodes to the original show. Like uh, Voyager did one where they had George Takei on there playing Sulu. And uh, DS9, eventually, the one that they did was a a sequel to uh, uh, Trouble with Tribbles. But originally, they were thinking about it being a a sequel to this episode where, where the DS9 crew goes back to Iosha beam down and everybody down there is either Kirk, Spock, or McCoy. <laughs> and I think that actually could have been very interesting. I don't I don't know. That, it's on how they would have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they would have been Kirk, Spock, and McCoy in their in their Classic. mode that, that, yeah. that they were there too. Yeah. So Kirk would have been everybody would have been doing Kirk's bad James Cagney impression. Oh, maybe, maybe. I I had more of the feeling that it was going to be they would beam down and it would almost be like a like a Star Trek convention, you know, where everybody was in a classic outfit. <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah, awesome. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the story I had heard. That was a few be red like shirts that. get killed and uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only reason they didn't do that was because they ran into the guy from um, Troubles with Tribbles when they were discussing the episode in a restaurant, and they're like. Oh wait a minute! Why don't we just do oh, this that's one? Right? Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the guy that played the little Weasley Klingon, Klingon. agent. Uh, yeah, right, that's, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just gonna say, in um, one of my um, Star Trek uh, like encyclopedia compendium books, they were talking about uh, the different races in the Federation, and they mentioned the Iotians, and they and uh, it, this was sort of like written from Data's. Uh, perspective, and he was saying that yeah, McCoy did leave his tr- um, his communicator behind, and they did take it apart. So when the Federation came back to visit them, they found a fully functional space uh, uh, space station with um, people and everybody in uniforms, and, and everybody was up to date. They had literally been listening into the Federation, you know, like oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was like that. That would have been great, you know, like you walk over like. You know, hey, look, Federation base. Where the hell did this one come from? Yeah, once you get that transducer down, you can do anything. <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, it'll be like- for uh, forever before we actually get to it at the at the rate we're going with the <laughs> with the comics. But I always liked that there was a nice, not really a sequel or anything, but a nice little nod to this one. Um, Early in the in the second series of DC Star Trek, the the one that was more of a um, Baxter paper series, there was a story. Uh, Peter David was the writer on. It was the trial of James T. Kirk, and I forget what the hell he was on trial for. Now it was, I want to say he was on trial for violating the Prime Directive or, you think? or something <laughs> like. Maybe it was like 
So, but something had happened where, like, all of the times he ever violated the prime directive were basically being thrown in his face during the trial. And uh, in the second or third part of the stories, Bella Oxmix shows up, and Kirk's like, oh, shit, you know? <laughs> it was great. It was very funny. You know, they, they were doing it very tongue-in-cheek, but it was a really good story. And then the part where he shows up was just awesome because Kirk is really trying to defend himself and doing a pretty good job of explaining, you know, why he did what he did in, in situation X, Y, and Z. And then all of a sudden from off screen, you, you see this word balloon that says something like, hey, Coik, or something like that. And you see Kirk like face palming like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's yeah. Bella Oxmix shows up. And I think he even showed up with like, I, I want to say he showed up with like coffers or something that were like full of like the Federation's <laughs> cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but it's, it is really funny. It was, it was a very nice callback to that episode. And Kirk had a hell of a time, you know, selling what he had done on Iosha in front of like the Federation council, which now that I think about it, it's kind of silly anyway. I mean, you know, it's not like in 20 years, somebody hadn't, you know, read his logs or, or, you know, gone back to look at that situation. You know, somebody would have been following up on that, you would think, anyway. Oh, I got to look that up. I got to find out. I've never read that uh, series, uh, that um, that story, so I got to find that one. That sounds like a good one. It was. It was really funny. <laughs> Just seeing all the ones that he screwed over, you know, like, and who are you? We are the people. We are the followers of Landro. <laughs> Kirk fried us, you know, on our computer. <laughs> Who are you? We are the, the people, the the ones with the antenna ears. You know, the those those natives who learned how to kill because because of the Kirk. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember who all can't? Because a lot of them did. I mean, a lot of the ones from classic episodes did come back, and I'll be damned if I can think of the other ones. There were the only one that I can remember specifically beyond Bella was um um Akaar from oh, what the hell's the name of that Friday's Child. Because he's oh. all grown up. Because McCoy says something about, damn, I'm really old or something. Because he's fully grown. He's like leader of his people now. And he was a baby in that episode. And, and McCoy has a great line of something like, we're just getting too old or something like that. Yeah. But he comes to basically speak on Kirk's behalf, you know, and how he wouldn't, he wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Kirk or something to that effect. But. Yeah, definitely check that out. It it was a really good story. It's it was it's just a lot of fun. Oh, you mean little Leonard James Akar or whatever his name was? Yeah, that's it. I always like that name, Akar. <laughs> <laughs> I like the names oh, in this episode. As a matter of fact, I, I think from now on, my my litmus test for uh, for whether I'm I'm in the presence of fellow Star Wars or excuse me, Star Trek geeks or not, is the next time I'm in like. A crowd of more than a few people, and I'm, I have to give my name. I'm going to give it as Bella Oxmix just to see if anybody picks up on it. <laughs> That's just a great name, Bella Oxmix. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, if you really want to test, you can ask him to want to play Fizzbin. <laughs> Not with me around. <laughs> I'll turn it over the table and knocking people out. Oh, are you a lucky guy? You know after this episode's going to air, you're going to get requests for instructions on how to play Fizzbin. Well, we'll make you type it out. <laughs> <laughs>
for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Um, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them, because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing badly. Yes, well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Ages comics every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Hello and welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday Original Series Edition. In this portion, we're going to try to keep it short and sweet here because we, uh, we're running a little long. Plus, we have the, uh, the next generation to get to. So we're going to take a quick look at DC's Star Trek Volume 1, issues 27 through 28. And, yeah, uh, and the, the, good, the, the bad news is, you know, we're uh, going to skimp on the synopses. <laughs> Of these, but the good news is you get three issues instead of one. <laughs> yep. We're gonna kind of. What my my plan for these is I I you know I don't want to give too short a shrift to the comics. However, you know I want to give more time for episodes. I'd like to try to get more guests, that sort of thing. So I want to continue to do the comics. But what we're gonna do, folks, from now on, I think is uh, we're gonna still try to do you know two or three at a time, but we're really going to reserve the comic segment for when it's really something big, something dynamic. And uh, I know that uh, issue 33 is coming up before too long. That one will be a big one. So, you know, we'll definitely do the full-blown synopsis discussion, that sort of thing. But for these three issues, what we basically have is uh, is three just kind of short, sweet, easy tales. So anyway, in this first one, number 27... Here's the synopsis, and uh, I want to thank Memory Alpha for this because I didn't feel like writing anything up, and their synopses are nice. They're short and sweet. So basically, in number 27, what we have is, while exploring uncharted space, the board crew of the USS Excelsior tries to find relief in combat drills and each other's company. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, all the regulars on... Well, actually, I can't say that. The writer on this was uh, Robert Greenberger, who uh, I felt, man, he really had a solid feel of the characters in this one. Because this really is, it's exactly, for a change, this is a comic book that delivers exactly what it says on the cover. The cover's a really, really nice um, depiction of Kirk in the command chair. And, you know, he's got all the regulars around him and everything. And he's kind of bracing his arms on the sides of his, you know, the arms of his command chair. And the cover just reads, A day in the life of Star Trek ends in red alert. And this was just a nice piece about the crew. It was kind of just a, a slice, you know, a day, exactly what the cover says. It was a, a slice of their day. And uh, at Sutton and Villagran, you know, were the artists again. And then pretty much all the usual suspects from there. I enjoyed it. It was a short, sweet, simple little tale. Um, not really too much to, to go into. What do you think? What did you think of this one? Well, I thought the the writer really got the um 
speech patterns of all the characters yeah. really well in it, especially Kirk. And it's Kirk just sort of giving commands and stuff, so I guess you can, as a Star Trek fan, you can hear that in your head. But just the way, you know, that things are wording, it sound, you can hear Shatner saying the dialogue in this. Right. And uh, I, I noticed it was... I, I I didn't when I read it I just started reading it. I didn't see who wrote it or anything you know and and then I usually go back and and do all that when I do the synopsis and stuff but I noticed right away I'm like man Kirk is sounding very Shatner like in this mm-hmm. you know his it, the the patterns of his speech and stuff are very naturally Kirk like and the same with everybody McCoy especially is another one who has a very you know specific voice and it all comes out you know really really naturally and it's all sort of hung together with um Savick you know wondering over human mating rituals you know and 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 you know how humans react to companionship and stuff and and so She's sort of watching everybody's relationships. She's especially watching Sulu, because Sulu's hooking up big time in this one with yeah. a lady. Oh my! So there's a lot of Sulu in this. So I will play some appropriate. <laughs> you and your damn xylophone. Two true freaks. We don't know. Always use canned effects. Sometimes we go old school practical effects. There was one moment in this that threw me. And now that I look back at it, I think I finally figured out what it is. But there's this one part where um, Savick is just kind of roaming the ship, which is kind of weird. It was kind of strange. Once again, god damn, there's not any page numbers in this. This is really starting yeah. to piss me I'm off. Actually op- I'm actually opened up right to that page, coincidentally. All right, so the, the so. next to last panel down there at the bottom, where she's walking along like a catwalk type of thing, there's mm-hmm. that thing up in the corner, the left-hand corner. I thought that was some sort of like energy creature, like that one episode, was it Day of the Dove, where that thing comes on the ship and makes everybody wonk out, you know? I almost thought that's what that was up in the there corner. There was a little store. Oh, because it's sort of it's sort of in the lounge. There's sort of a little. I guess it's decorations in the lounge. Yeah. But over Sulu when he's making out with his girlfriend, there's yeah. little sparkly things. Huh, I didn't think of I didn't think of it as a story element. I figured it was like energy beams down in engineering. Yeah, it is what I think that is somehow. what it is. But it's drawn so kind of loosey-goosey that it's yeah. hard to tell that it, I think what it is, I think that's the antimatter, anti- you know, the intermix chamber is what that I think that is what that's supposed to be. But it's just drawn so oddly that I thought what we were looking it at was... a was, story element. Yeah, that it was tipping yeah. us off as the reader that hey, she's acting this weird because this little glowy ball thing is, you know, infiltrated the ship and is playing with everybody's minds and turns out that's not it at all this really is exactly what it appears to be it's just a a little slice of crew life you know which that's fine it it was a good little story i just i don't don't honestly have all that much to say about it i enjoyed it very much but 
it was kind of an odd one because there's no enemy, there's no fighting, there's no real drama to the story other than, you know, here's what happens Just in a savage. typical day when they're not fighting Klingons or something. You yeah, know? And, well, they, they, they tied in the little story of Chekhov has to come up. Chekhov comes up with a, a drill to try, you know, Kirk's like, yeah, throw in a drill in there, but try to catch us by surprise on it. Right. And Chekhov actually does catch Kirk by surprise in a sort of reverse Kobayashi Maru sort of thing. And then but Kirk gets all it doesn't go, about it. Yeah, it doesn't go over very well. <laughs> and I didn't you know, really mean surprise me. And, and you know, and I, I like the fact that Chekhov made computer-generated hammer and sickle ships too to attack the Enterprise. Yes. Yeah, that was. Funny. And 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 I liked Uhura wandering around singing people to singing with people because it's really flaky, but Uhura is really flaky. So it's the you know, and her dialogue is also you know very true to that character. I could see Uhura just wandering around at night, going, "Hmm, I'll sing you to sleep, Chekhov." Here, sing with me, Savik. I'll I'll soothe you. You know, I'm I am Uhura, and uh, it, that could have been really cheesy. But um, once again, through the dialogue, it it come you can hear all the characters' voices. You know, and I yeah I liked it. it it's yeah nothing spectacular to write ho- home about, but mm-hmm. solid, solid. I I like an occasional something like that, and you know. And I mean, they've been they've been doing the wheel spinning because the in between this was the most awkward in between movie time for Star Trek because you didn't know what was really going to happen with Spock, and they were being kind of ballsy and going for it and brought him back in. But at the same time, they're sort of keeping him out and doing a lot of solo character episodes and stuff like this. But it doesn't matter. The characters are strong enough. I'm on board for a, you know, I'm, I'm not on board for six months of, uh, <laughs> s- you know, six days in a row on the life of the Enterprise with nothing going on. But uh, one for sure, you know, right? Because it, it also illustrates that even when nothing's going on, there's something going on. <laughs> there's enough going on. But that's about all I got to say. Say with this one, the art is about. Sta- standard, you know. Yeah. There's a there's a one hilarious picture I think of the rat guy with the buck teeth, <laughs> who's like you know working one of the stations, and you got that weird low angle of him. He looks like some sort of Frank Miller sort of thing. But otherwise, it's just it's pretty solid. Kirk is his standard, you know, Kirk not Shatner sort of thing. Oh, I did. Uh, I did pick up on one thing in this, though. It didn't really seem to go anywhere. At least I think it was this issue. Let me look again real quick here. Maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's number. Maybe it's number twenty-nine. Let me trying to find it. Trying to find it. No, here it is. Uh, Nancy comes up to the bridge. Nancy Bryce. Right. And right away, Konam asks her how her physical went. She says, you know, I'm all right. Everything went fine. And then this dude that's trying to scam on her offers to get together later with her and buy her a drink, and she says, no thanks. And I just got to thinking, she couldn't be pregnant with Konam's baby already, could she? 
I hope so. Because <laughs> I think that is where this eventually goes. I could be completely wrong about that, but I I think they do end up having a kid together. I think. Nice. I'm wondering if it's too early for all that or if I'm just reading more into this little scene than, than may actually be there. But it'd be nice to see uh, Konam getting a little action, you know what I mean? Even though he is the wussiest Klingon of all. The pussified Klingon. He is most definitely the pussified Klingon. But we're going to see a little redemption for uh, Yeah, he's going to kick a little ass yeah, in does. the near future here. He does very shortly. All right, are we ready to move on to the next one? I believe we are. I like this synopsis even better. This is for... Uh, <laughs> is it like three words? <laughs> <laughs> a few more than three, but not many. This is uh, Star Trek number 28. And uh, this one is a special issue by Diane Duane, no stranger to Star Trek. She's written a lot of Star Trek novels. And art by Gray Morrow, who, you know, I haven't seen a whole lot of Gray Morrow, but almost every time I see his stuff, I really, really enjoy it. And uh, this one was a story called The Last Word. It was a Dr. McCoy story. It says, McCoy uses a mind meld to save an endangered crewman, which is kind of giving short shrift to what I thought was a really excellent story i enjoyed this one a whole lot right up until dr mccoy gave some dude a mind meld and then it kind of jumped the shark for me i was like nope this is where this story is kind of stupid oh, i had really i had no problem with really? that at all i i wish i wish gray morrow had done done the cover of <laughs> yeah this, uh, yeah i don't care for the, the cover much it's uh, no Sotsky the, the, the legrand yeah the ship looks like a uh what like a crappy knockoff Japanese toy version. You know what it looks a lot like? It looks a lot like the Enterprise um, C that we would end up seeing in Next Gen, like way, way, way down the line. You know, the one that came back through time. Mm-hmm. Gray Morrow's art in this is great. I, yeah. er, I, I think. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it works really well with uh, Michelle Wolfman's colors, especially. At first, she's using the same sort of color palette she's been using all along. You know, it's the same consistent color palette, but all of a sudden, it ha- you know, with the with the new artist, it has a whole new look to it. You don't think it looks a little washed out or a little pastel? I like it like really? that. I like it like that. Yeah, I I think it works. I think I it, I think they've all been kind of washed out and pastelly, but. I think it. I think it works better with this art style, and with the McCoy style. McCoy's a more organic character. He's more based in, you know, nature really. Right. You know, than he's a he's a doctor, and he's a down home country do- doctor. So it gives a shit like when you you know the first thing you see is him in his quarters getting up just you know a guy getting up out of bed yeah, i could have lived the rest of my be... life without seeing him in his granny panties though on that one day the last panel of page two i'm like damn dude put some pants on <laughs> well you know he's in his own room but the you know i mean it could be it could be a room in someone's house you know it's a little futuristic but you know it doesn't it doesn't there's nothing about it that gives away that you're on the Enterprise, you mm-hmm. know, except that it's McCoy. But you know, and that sort of fits fits along with McCoy to have that more, you know, that that aspect of him. And his room and his room would probably be, and and once you get out into the ship, all of a sudden everything's blues and purples and whites again, and he's in his white white outfit. I don't know. I think. I, I think maybe 
there's more negative space in in his art style. Yeah, you know that, and so yeah, it just it does it doesn't seem as cluttered as the the and it made for a faster yeah. read too because it, it really was oh, it sure a fast did. read with this one because the the you know the pages are are generally broken down to between like uh, four and five panels. Some of them are six. It's but, it's yeah. wordy compared to one of today's comics, but it's not by it's, much. Um, but not by much. But yeah, but it's really it's really terse compared to yeah. what you usually yeah. see. in these have a lot more word balloons. Yeah, it's it's not in. Roy Thomas, that's for damn sure. <laughs> no, yeah, it's telling the it's telling the story visually a lot uh, with a lot more. Yeah, and. Uh, it was good though. I noticed one big goof right on the front page of the first page though is that uh you know we get Dr. McCoy's asleep in his quarters and his computer's trying to wake him up and send him to work. And at one point it stops being nice and it says Leonard Edward McCoy, get out of that bed. And I was like, "Wait a minute, his middle name is something with an H because he says that in Star Trek 3, remember?" It just reminded me, yeah, it just reminded me of hardcore fan mod. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the mind meld. You know what I didn't like about this episode? What's that? Or uh, issue? Issue sewed? I don't issue sewed. It's the Padme effect. I don't believe the whole thing about people who just go, "I'm gonna die now" and lay down and die. you know they're vi- he's lost the will to live. You know, all right. You know, someone's old and sick. And dying. These you know, dudes 90 were years best old. friends. They were lifelong best friends that went into Starfleet together. You're telling me that if we went into Starfleet together and you watched me get gored to death by a six-armed green bear that you wouldn't want to just lay down and die? <laughs> For one, I would at least appreciate the fact that I saw you go gored by a six-legged bear and say, at least he went out in a fucking cool, crazy fucking way. At least it wasn't just like, oh yeah, he slipped on a candy wrapper and hit his head, or you know, he got a he got a cut on his pinky and it got infected. No, he got fucking ripped to shreds by a fucking six-legged bear. Okay. The description of what happened to this guy was fucking horrible for a comic in the you know written you know yeah that's why we're laughing right in now. The, in, <laughs> where the hell is it here? Because he tells what I was just like, holy shit, dude. Oh, where is it? It was horrible. It was, uh... Here it is. Uh, Tometz <laughs> was attacked by a large native carnivore, rather like a six-legged bear. It clawed him open from the left shoulder to the, the abdomen. The or- aorta was instantly severed in two places, and he also sustained a fracture concussion from being smashed into a tree when the thing leaped. He died of shock and brain damage before he... I'm thinking, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Let's traumatize yes. the kids. It, it is traumatic. <laughs> but how many times do you hear about people in comas dying from seeing some something horrible happen to a loved one? You know, some, horrible things happen to loved ones. And what happens is you spend years being angry and bitter and going through the, the stages of grief or whatever. You know, you deal with, you know, you and you're crushed. You, you might go and like curl up in your bed for for three days and lay there quivering 
and you know just and not being able to eat and drink or whatever the same with any trauma but i just you never hear of people just you hear of old sick almost dead people when it's time to go they give up the will to live and they go not a young strong healthy person just goes to go I've lo- you could you could mentally go I've lost the will to live and really have lost the will to live and your body will keep saying well fuck you man go, <laughs> you know and you, you, so you could just those you, I mean you could I could see the guy being in his quarters just like uh, I don't care I don't know if I, what what I don't want I'm not going to work I, you know <laughs> I'm not going to my station fuck it what's the point I lost my best friend you know and 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 being mis you know you know just down to the bones miserable but going into a coma and just and with the technology that mccoy has you know you, you'd think he'd be, he'd be like well we'll just throw him on life support you know or something i i just don't think people just like out of you know d- die of a broken heart you know the uh, people who die of a broken heart drink themselves to death <laughs> they get their heart broken and then they do drugs until they're they have a heart attack or drink alcohol till their liver crawls out of their body and runs away but yeah i i've never i've never bought the the just like uh they've given up the will to, to live i i did actually buy the 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 idea, the concept that yeah, McCoy has just enough Spock in him for a a mind negative, melt, you know, negative. I don't buy it at all. Even even I, th- the I mechani- think once your brains are put together, that's it forever. It doesn't, you know, you take out the you can you can take the I don't know how to say it. You can what what is it? You can take the mas- Spock out of the McCoy, but you can never take the McCoy out of the Spock. I don't know. Either way, it sounds gay, and it, it doesn't does actually sound, work to yeah. make my point. But come on, I mean, wouldn't well, I, I would imagine that there's something beyond just the the thing with you know them having shared a soul and all that. I would think that there's got to be something actual actually physiologically different with Vulcans and humans that would allow a Vulcan to mind meld where a human, you know, couldn't, I I would think, I mean, I could be completely dead wrong about that, but I I would, you know, that's just the impression that I had. So it's like, I don't know. It's like those goofy stories where, you know, the parasite would, would touch Superman and, and absorb energy from him, which I can understand him like getting a supercharge from touching Superman, you know, because Superman's all full of energy and all that. But then all of a sudden he gains the ability to fly and zap lasers out of his ass. And, and it's like, no, wait a minute, you know, the energy thing I get, the but you know, the powers yeah. too, how does that work? You know? So it's kind of the same thing here, just because he and Spock, shared a soul i don't see where he should then instantly gain spock's abilities you know i mean when it comes to a a a a difference of their physical makeup at least i think i would imagine that's how the vulcan mind melt works you know that that well you know i mean because that's something innate in their physical makeup rather than it's just you know some ability they learned or so i don't know it just seems a little well. You know, I mean, at the end of the, I mean, they try to cover it. They try to cover their ass with that because at the end of the, you know, he actually runs into Spock in his mind, and well, in his mind, and and you know, somewhere in between his mind and the other guy's mind, there's Spock. Right. And you know, Spock's being 
particularly vague as to whether he's really Spock or a figment of McCoy's imagination. You know, he says, are you a figment of my imagination or the real Spock? And he says, yes. Right. And, uh, and you know, it's that, it's that sort of Zen thing where, yeah, both are right. You know, what's the difference between the, the fig, you know, Spock, I think he was basically saying that they were so intertwined that the Spock that McCoy would conjure up might as well be the real Spock. So, you know, and there's a little bit of it, like after McCoy walks off, the <laughs> Spock's still talking. <laughs> so <laughs> that says something about like if McCoy's out there and Spock's still saying no doubt, which must be his favorite band. But uh, I like the no doubt line. That sounded like something Spock would say. And the way he's standing there and stuff, I could totally see, see Nimoy doing that. But I just, I, I'd like I to, can buy I would have liked it a lot I better can, if he had just said, you're messing with my Zen thing, man. <laughs> yeah. I can, I, I can literally, I can buy the mind meld more than I can buy the just like somebody d- losing the will to live and just laying down and dying. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can understand feeling that way but having it physically happen to you i don't know man one more shitty star trek movie by jj abrams you might just see it happen for real you know what i'm saying no it won't man (laughs) no no you you might projectile vomit you might fucking get the runs you might scream and holler and gnash your teeth and wait you know you might lock yourself in your room and pound your head against the wall but you won't just like sit down and go (sighs) <sighs> and your heart will slow, you know, at a regular pace until it just stops, you know, and the blood will stop moving in your body. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> I just don't, I, I just don't buy it. And then especially in, especially if that was happening, if that was happening, that would seem like an easy fix. It would be like, put the guy in, into a coma, let his, you know, stop the 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 thinking brain from the autonomic function brain going and let it you know i mean we do that when people are in comas now actually it's their body running their their brains off doing whatever like this guy was in limbo land <laughs> reliving the six-legged bear attack and talking to mccoy <laughs> you know and and chatting with luke skywalker and ben kenobi you know, while Luke was in his coma, because they're in a timeless state, so you're hanging out with everybody who's ever in a coma at the same time. <laughs> but wear your coma you know, condom. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. Have, that's the great thing about being in a coma. You can have all sorts of coma sex and not have to worry about <laughs> venereal disease or pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> well, wanna- and when I say coma sex, guys, I'm not saying have sex with someone in a coma. Two true freaks does not condone that at all it's just the opposite i'm saying when you're in the coma and you're making people with your brain make yourself some hot women and have <laughs> sex with them why not you're in a coma you might as well have some fun although i would love to see dr mccoy and the little old, little little lady from um poltergeist fighting it out <laughs> to drag this guy back from his coma <laughs> That's a TV show right there. Dr. McCoy and the... And whatever the hell her name was. The creepy little old lady. You want to feel really, 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 really old? Sure, why not? They're both dead. I just... 
Oh, yeah, you're right. Isn't that well, awful? That's terrible. Well, yeah, I can... I, I, I cannot feel... I Like, you know, when... when the, the lady from Poltergeist, that you were sort of expecting... Well, I guess she wasn't as old as Clara Peller or something, but, you know, they she got famous when she was old, old. I, I didn't, you know... Well, I guess... How old would um, DeForest Kelly be right now if he was still alive? He'd be Holy pretty shit. fucking yeah, he'd, ancient. He'd be up there. He was yeah. the oldest one of all oh, of them, yeah. so he would... He would probably be in his 80s or something like that. Yeah, so. I'm thinking closer to like mid 90s because uh, Shatner yeah. and Nimoy are in their 80s now, aren't they? I think they're 80 or 81, they're... maybe even a little older. Ay ay ay, ay ay ay. So yeah, so it's not like he didn't live to a ripe oh, old yeah, age. He did. Not yeah. quite as old as he did in as as McCoy did, yeah. but <laughs> but he still did pretty good. <laughs> he seemed to have a good life. I'm sure. Well, anyway, that's about all I got to say. Yeah, on that I think one. we. Uh, I think it took longer for us to review it than it did for me to read the issue. <laughs> it was a good <laughs> one, though. I liked that one. Whereas the next yeah, I one, did too. it's kind of a mixed bag. I think the the last one, number twenty nine, story was entitled "The Trouble with Bear Claw." Now, this is what the uh, brief synopsis on uh, Memory Alpha says. It says the uh, USS Excelsior survey team encounters dangerous life forms on an unexplored planet. I have a much better synopsis, which could actually even be the title of the stories, B-listers on the Planet of the Apes. Because <laughs> this is pretty much everybody who's not Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beams down to this planet, which is pretty much the Planet of the Apes, except they're very, very primitive apes. You know, they don't talk. Yeah, they're, they're, they're real they're apes. Not wearing, yeah. yeah, they're pretty much real apes. Yeah, they're like big, toothy, carnivorous bastards. And this story does start right in the midst of the action. You've got all the guys, they're all climbing this cliff, trying to get away from these just pissed-off gorilla guys. And Conom gets chomped, and it's basically, really, the, the overall story here is that Bearclaw is the only one of these guys that's got any fucking brains whatsoever... Yet he's under the command of this, just kind of a dick. Andorian well, he's guy. Danny Danny Glover from fucking what was it? <laughs> you know, he's retiring the next day. Yeah, exactly. He should have been dead by the end of this episode. It's a miracle he survived it because he was, you know, this was his last mission. Right. Yeah, and and he's he's not, you know, I mean. The only person close to being a man of action there is Conam, the most pussified Klingon. <laughs> he gets to fight a little bit, but he gets a shot of gorilla venom. Right. Which these are venomous yeah. gorillas too. So he's he's sort of put out a commission. So basically, yeah. Bearclaw's the only one, I mean, he's got American Indian in him at which shouldn't genetically make you good outside, but you get the you get the idea that Bearclaw maybe grew up out on a reservation or or in nature, you know, right. and, it, and and he deals with stuff in this. You know, he's make he's the only one who's like coming up with ideas and making decisions, but at the same time, he's being a complete asshole about right. it. Right? Because he's he's you know? racist. It's another tolerance story. It's another story of how much racism there is in the twenty third century. And I was like, come on, really? Do we need this story again? Plus, the, now, this now this makes me want to ask you this do you think they've been they've been doing this a lot lately 
And and you notice the last time they broached it, it was with a black woman. Now it's with an American Indian or a Native American character. Do you think maybe they thought, eh, we don't want a white character be, to be racist just because it's too earthy. You, you know, it's too close to the earth, you know, story. So we're going to make in the future, we're, we're, we'll, not that it would be, you know, it... I don't know. It, it it was more like let's not make the human white. Let's just make it somebody who's not white. So it's more like a being a human being, you know, prejudiced against other other right. alien races or whatever. I don't. I I just noticed that they've used two minorities to be the racists. <laughs> I think the <laughs> problem with the, big, the bi- not even racist but bigots in the in the last couple times that they've done it in the last few issues. I think there's two problems with the story. I mean, I did enjoy the story. I thought it was good, but there's two problems. Is For one, the premise of the story sounds like a bar joke. It's, you know, an Indian, a Tellarite, an Andorian, and a Klingon walk into a bar. You know, that's pretty much how the story starts, you know. I mean, they're not in a bar. They're on the hood of the age, but still, you know what I mean? It's It's this weird mix. Plus, I think Tony Isabella forgot... Bearclaw's motivations for his prejudice against Conan. He has a legitimate beef with Conan. Conan's people killed his father. I think that's a legitimate reason for him not to like Klingons. Why he doesn't like Andorians and Tellarites and other human beings is a whole different ball of wax. It just makes him seem like a racist dickhead. Which well, I, he hasn't been this much of a prick until this until issue, this issue exactly. You know? So he seems very out of character to me. I think where this story could have been a hell of a lot better was if they had really just run with the idea that's sort of soft peddled in this that the actual commander of the mission is kind of an incompetent idiot you know the andorian guy's kind of an idiot you know he he never well, makes the I, right I thought decision. it was going to be I thought it was going to be like this guy appears to be an idiot or he may be an idiot, or he may not be as competent as as Bearclaw, but he's in command, right? And there's the importance of of keeping the the you know the chain of command. But the thing about it is, you know, uh, with 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 this story, is Bearclaw could have the, the only reason Bearclaw's running afoul of this guy isn't. Not because he's coming up with ideas and this guy's being a power like on a power trip or anything. It's he's coming up with his ideas, but he's being a complete asshole right. and he's being like like ridiculously exaggeratedly insubordinate about right. it. Which you know, leads to, to to the point which means it wouldn't help anybody. He's like he's like being a prick to a guy to you know, he's f- having a personal thing with his commanding officer in a bad situation about getting out of the situation, he's making it worse. So that's what I thought the moral of it was going to be. Right. But it ended up being like, no, Bearclaw basically, like I thought it was very realistic that he basically like, like the guy says, you're getting, you know, you're in big trouble when we get back to the ship. And Bearclaw says to Konam, there goes my brilliant career right there. My career is done. And, and Konam sort of says, like, well, you know, you can come back from it. But it, basically it sounds like it was he was going to get knocked down a peg for a long time. 
Yeah, and I like and, all but that, then but he then saves... the wusses out in the end, and it, it commits yes. that, that cardinal sin that the worst Star Trek stories seem to do all the time, which is, you know, you all's well that ends well. You know, yes, you were yeah. a racist asshole, but in the end, you saved our bacon, so we're, you know, we're going to give you a pass on your insubordination and bigotry. That and- shit won't fly on the next generation. He would have still gotten written up, and the captain would have said, you did a good job. You racist fuck! Now get in the brig, you know. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think so, but as we're gonna see, that it's the same way on next gen. A lot of the time, you can have somebody come in, be a complete dickhead, but at the end and of the story, if, in the if last they're the second. guy that saves the ship or saves the captain or whatever, then they get a pass. And it's like, no, dude, real life doesn't work like that. It'd be awesome if it well, did. It, it would be awesome if I could live my life as a complete asshole to everybody around me but as long as i occasionally save their lives i'm a hero yeah that would be great but real life's not like that if you go to work and you're a racist asshole and you get called out on it it doesn't matter at the end of the day if you save the company a million dollars you're gonna get fucking canned and that's well here's the thing this is called the problem with bear claw and that begs uh the the you know that begs in the story we see what the problem with Bear Claw is, but we don't see the problem. And, and you know, it's realistic if you don't see the, quote, problem with Bear Claw resolved, you know, like Bear Claw is fixed of his bigotry and his attitude. But you don't really even see it addressed. You see it in action, but then you're right. It's, slough, it's literally sloughed off in the last page. Right. So, you know, I mean... You could have had a very interesting conversation with Kirk and his commi- and and the commanding officer of the the way team, you know, saying, "What are we going to do with this guy? He's he's a good guy, you know. He's a good he's good in a in a in a fight, but you know, he's insanely insubordinate. You know, I mean, right? Yeah, he's he saved the day." But that ain't gonna happen every time. You can't, you you know, you can't have a Starfleet officer, or a, uh, you you, can't, you know, you were in the you were in the military. You can't, you you can't be insubordinate and just be a kick. You know, in a movie, maybe you can be like, right? Yeah, he tells a drill sergeant to fuck off, but look, he's kicking everybody's asses, so he can get away with it. Yeah, no, it, it ain't work like that. that. Way. No, it does not. You have to be. You have to. You have to do it all across the board. Right. You have to be. You have to respect the chain of command, and be good in a fight, and be res- you know respectful to your f- you know so so giving him a pass is really just the you know gonna get them in trouble down the line and it's gonna end up you know so the trouble yeah the trouble with Bear Claw is just like and we know it's not gonna get resolved because it says next to Uhura's first space mission. <laughs> <laughs> So we know it's an Ahura story next, so it won't be, you know, maybe we'll see Bear Claw in there. They'll do a sub thing about it. But, yeah, I my suspicion is it'll be dropped after this, you know, right. for the sake of this, this story, <laughs> and that's it. You know, where is it should be a continuing thing with Bear Claw, which it should end up with Kirk taking Bear Claw into a room and going, Hey, it ain't working out, man. Maybe there's something better you should do, you know, or and maybe maybe you should get some anger management course and co- uh, come back in three years or something. <laughs> well, 
Well, that's all I got on that one. I that's all I it, got. But it, it, I think it could have been it could have been handled differently. I think that the better resolution to that story would have been that he he only kept his prejudice towards Conan. Maybe they ended up you know becoming sort of sort of half-assed friends at the end of the story, kind of like where it seems like they might be headed here because he did save Conom's lives. Conom seems grateful. It seems like maybe they're finding a little bit of a, you know, a coming together, you know, over that. But I think it would have been better for the story if he had only been the way he, you know, if he'd only acted like a bigot towards just the Klingon character. And, yes. and then his insubordination was a whole different thing with the Andorian guy because he didn't believe that that guy was a competent officer or whatever, you know, that, that he was doing his best to save their lives. And in the end, Bearclaw steps up. Yes, he breaks the chain of command, but he saves all their lives. So in the end, you know, because I, I did sort of kind of like the way that the story resolved in the aspect of, you know, the Andorian guy, the, the commander comes to him later and says, well, the good news is, you know, we're we're not going to drum you out of the service for insubordination. The bad news is we we're going to give you a commendation for whatever he did, you know, bravery or valor or whatever. But what we're going to do is we're going to let it be a wash. You know, you're not getting your medal, but you're not getting drummed out of the service either. Let this be a lesson to you. Don't be such an asshole next time. That kind of sort of maybe half ass. I was going to say, you know, I could say you could sort. I could sort of see something like that happening in the military, right? If you had and and you know and and what I, I I figured is you know maybe that you know since he did save his ass as commanding officer there went to bat to, with Kirk with him a little bit and said yeah he was being insubordinate for me but let, I'll tell you what I'll let it slide right but let's not give it I could see that, that I could see that happening in the real military but that works I think only with the insubordination angle. When you throw in the added thing of the prejudice and the and the outright, you know, I mean, he's very blatant in his bigotry towards everybody yeah. that's not a human. You know, he's more blatant than people who are bigots are nowadays right. in the twenty first century. I think that you know, pushes so. the end of the the story and the resolution. You know, with the the metal, you know, drumming out of the service. I think that pushes that into the realm of of not being believable. That's that's what kind of pushes me over the the line of uh of buying the whole thing you know i i i just think i think star trek needs the star trek comics need to if they're going to cover bigotry which is a a standard star trek theme right they have to do it less overtly yeah they have to do it less with characters calling each other names and do it more in the sci-fi with the concept of other beings and have you know, beings that you maybe can't conceptualize as much and, you know, being like, well, you still have to think of them as, you know, consciousness or, you know, you got to think of this. But then again, they got a, a horda <laughs> on the crew anyway. So it's hard to say what kind of creature would be too weird for them to to take. Mm hmm. Uh. And and I just want to mention uh, that just reminded me a couple issues back there, in the in the day by day Star Trek there was a great scene where the Horda wasn't feeling too well, so they had Scotty, you know, make up a bunch of pig iron and steel for the Horda to eat to supplement its diet. I thought that was pretty cool. 
<laughs> but that's all I got. That's all I got too. I think uh, three solid comics. It's yeah. time to uh, ring up a, a episode for next month. All right, do me proud now. All right, I'm pushing the button. Ooh, this sounds scary. Uh oh. Seventy-five. Seventy-five. We've already done this one. That was the way to Eden, and I'm not doing it again. <laughs> no way. Okay. All right, here we go again. Sixty-one. Sixty-one. Spectre of the Gun. We did Spectre of the Gun, didn't we? Yes, we yeah, did. Yeah, that's funny. God it's damn not it. crossed off my list, but I will cross it off now. The random. I'm pretty sure we've done Spectre of the I'm Gun. Positive oh, yeah, I'm positive we did sure Spectre we have. of the Gun. Yeah. All right. So, but man, the the random number generator is just wanting to throw us into the third season. Still, us. <laughs> uh, so now it put up sixty. What's that? Is there in truth no beauty? I don't remember that one very well. I don't think we. I think that's the one. Isn't that the one with the th- thing that's so ugly that you can't lay eyes on it? Yeah, and I think that's the one where, what's her name, that eventually would play uh, Dr. Pulaski comes on the ship and Spock wears that funky red visor thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that one very well, but I remember it being an I remember it has, it has some funky camera angles and weird P- POV shots from the Medusin's angle of the bridge with... There's, I, I have a screensaver of the Medusin's point of view and Kirk doing the, like, you know, holding his arms out like, hey, what the fuck sort of thing, but they're all stretched out in a wide-angle Well, that's because Spock forgets to put his visor on at that one, and oh, then he flips right. out, remember? He, like, loses <laughs> his shit, and, and Kirk has to come in and do the typical, you know, well, Spock. Good. We've... Are you going to be all right? Let me slap the hell out of you so you'll come back to your senses. Let me do the double-fisted punch on your face (laughs) since you're a Vulcan and you can take it. Yeah. Well, that's good because we've been having a lot of Kirk freakouts. It's about time that we haven't had as many. There's a lot of Spock freakouts in Star Trek, and we haven't been hitting those shows yet. So maybe maybe we'll run a a nice little run of Spock flip-outs in the next few months. That would be nice. I'll enjoy that if that happens. Cool. But I say until next time, which will be any minute now because (laughs) you'll be whipping right from this to as soon as you're done listening to this, you'll be downloading and listening to Star Trek Monthly Monday, the next generation version. They damn well better be if they know it's good for them. Damn right. Damn it. Damn it all to hell. Damn your eyes. <laughs> All right. All right. Jesus Christ. Four o'clock. We were supposed to go like 15 minutes on that. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you 
will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.